0: You're
1: listening to The Perfect Man Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Kirk, Sparky, canine connoisseur, and mental health advocate. Hello, friends and strangers. Today, I invite Troy Abbott on the podcast, father, PT, strengthletics owner and coach, and master trickshot artist.
2: Oh, I like that. (laughs) Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Good, I'm man. glad Thanks you added, added that last in. bit in there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you like your trick shots. Yeah. You've uh, been uploading a few re- reels here and there, yep, getting yep. into
2: it. Yep, that's uh yeah, yeah. It's a good fun thing to do for me. So um, yeah, I'm still a 12 year old child, mate. So that's
1: it, that's it. First up, mate, I want to congratulate you and your partner on a 17th year anniversary.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's yep. our wedding anniversary too. So wow.
1: So, Congratulations, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's, That's a, heck, okay.
2: it's a pretty, um, yeah, it's over half our life now together Wow! that we've been married. Oh, wait a minute. That doesn't work out. So how long have you been Close to. So yeah, 17 years we've been married now. Wow. So, so we were married when I think I was 20. Yeah. She would have been 19. So yeah, very young. Yeah. Um, we had no idea what we were doing. Um, and I think a lot of people probably thought we were crazy and we were. Yeah, um, but yeah, we're still going strong
1: now. So that's that's amazing, eh? This that kind of that level of commitment, I think, is so rare these days. What do you think?
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. It's funny, like people probably think that I was like that—that that was my idea. But really, it was just I was a twenty-year-old kid who fell in love with a girl, and it was just like spontaneity. Like I didn't think, like I didn't actually think about the future. I was just like it was in a moment. I I even want to. Um, like proposed to her. It was like yeah. I didn't have a ring. It was just in this moment I just looked at her and just went, you know what, like I'm gonna say it right here, right then. And mm. she said to me, I thought you were gonna break up with me. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it was just I was like, no, it's the opposite. I was like so I just went with it and then I was like I felt even a bit silly afterwards, like even telling my parents, but I don't know. I think it's just that's just how I am. I've yeah. just always been a little different. I've done things my way and mm. um and yeah, it's worked out pretty well.
1: So Yeah, that's awesome eh? Yeah. well, good stuff. Mate, what do you do for work, and what do you do for fun?
2: Uh, sort of combined together, I think a little bit with those two. Like um, I've always said, like I've been a PT now. I'm coming up to ten years. I think I've been doing personal training, and um, I've always said it doesn't feel like it's a job. Um, um, I always say to people, like you know, people have a like, oh, hard day at work, and I'm like, I kind of forgot what that feels like. You know, like I mean, it is hard work still, yeah. and it's it is a hard. Um, Sort of market to be in and Super be involved in, mate. and yeah, and just to, you know, to make ends meet, um, and you're constantly fighting for work and these sort of things. But at the end of the day, like, I'm just having fun. I just get to train people, and mm. um, it's 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 a hell of a ride. And um, yeah, so I've been doing that. I forgot what the question was uh, now. So absolutely. I've been doing that for nine, yeah, ten years <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And um,
1: and ha- so how did you get started? Because I've we've spoken a little bit about odd jobs and ends you've yep. done in the past. So ha- what what got you into PTing and coaching? Because you've done a handful of jobs, which, yeah, which we'll I'd touch on later on. But how did yep. you get into PTing?
2: Um, so I've always just like fitness and just being active, I think, is something that's just always been um, around me. And I've just always, what it's what's made me really, truly happy to be a, at the end of the day. Like I'm just, I'm an active kid. I was mm. um, I got all my confidence. I was a very shy, introverted kid. Um, and through playing sports is where I, I made friends um, I found my confidence in myself um, so I think when I was a kid that was such a huge part of of, of me and where I you know I got everything from um, and then as I got a little bit older I always actually wanted to be a sports teacher that was my number one mm. uh, job that I wanted to do um, but then things went didn't pan out too well at school got in a bit of trouble and um, I ended up you know just getting into all all these different jobs that I got into that I just didn't really enjoy. Um, So I always wanted to be involved in sport or some sort of physical fitness sort of thing, um, but I just could never really find what that was, you know. Um, And then, I don't know, I just started going into the gym and training myself when I I put on a little bit of weight in my mid-twenties after having a couple of young kids and being lazy. (laughs) And I just started training in the gym and um, I just loved it. I just felt, I just, I, I got back that sort of, that feeling I had when I was a kid, you know, of, of mm. training and being fit and active. And I was, I was just so obsessed from there. And then from there, it was just literally, oh, I love this so much. I'd love to share this with other people. So from there, I just, um, you know, did my courses, mm. quit my job, um, really made a massive, you know, life change as well. Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad my family are all, you know, I told them all, oh, this is what I'm going to do. And they, you know, the, none of them said I was crazy. Mm. Um, and um, you, you probably know,
1: still would have gone through with it anyway.
2: Yeah, you know, yeah. I was just, I'm so I, I knew I was I was making the right decision to be honest. I just knew I was that that's where I'm supposed to be, um, and then I started. Yeah, PT. And I think I was about 26, 27 when I yeah. started
1: doing it. And yeah, right. Yeah. Wow. It's so um, was a bit later than you know. Yeah, I was just thinking that it was a bit later, eh? Yeah. How was how was that tr- transition period? Because did you go from you know full time's work and steady income to the odd session here and here and there, and thinking, "Geez, how the heck am I going to make this out?"
2: Yeah, I think I was pretty lucky that I had a really sort of – I had a part-time sort of job at that stage. Mm. Um, I was doing youth work. Yeah, nice. um, And the idea originally was that I was going to keep my youth work going um, and start to do some fitness programs with the youth work that I was doing. Um, but then when things started getting – you know, I was, I was working out of a mm. gym and um, it just got really busy sh- straight away. Like I just had people, um, so many clients coming in and I just sort of went, you know what, I'm, I think I'm going to have to – you know, to to grow this business, is, I might have to drop my other job, and then just from there, it's just been full time since. Yeah. So I was lucky; I sort of had something to fall back on. Had True. it not worked out as well, yeah. Um, but yeah, mm. it's I never really thought it was going to be, yeah, like it is to be honest.
1: Mm. But backing up to youth work, how did you get into that?
2: Um, I, yeah, geez, how do I go back to that? So I was doing a lot. I did a bunch of different trade sort of jobs that yeah. I really really didn't like I'm not that great with my hands to be honest but um I thought that's just what you had to do if you drop out of school you're a bloke here you
1: know jump into something laborious or
2: just jump into some work and I I actually really enjoyed some of it because um I think it's it's one of the best things I did actually for me because I was I wasn't very well disciplined I didn't work hard I didn't you know when it comes to school I had no you know um sort of discipline And, and I think when I got into some some hard work as a young 20-year-old or even younger I started um, and understood how hard people work, you know, like uh, it sort of it yeah really opened my eyes up to, you know, maybe I should have studied at school a little yeah, bit more yeah, yeah. and, and realised that the, the real world is pretty tough and, he, you know, mm. and the working life is, is hard. So, um, yeah, so from that I just, um, yeah, I think I just got a bit sick of doing the sort of jobs I was doing and then, um, I don't know, I just sort of, like I said, I wanted to be a um, school teacher. So, mm-hmm. and I've always been and liked being around, you know, young people, and uh, just, you know, I'm I'm just a big kid at heart, and I just wanted to, I don't know, give back to the community a little bit, and, um, you know, I wanted to do something that I thought was going to help. Um, yeah, something just, meaningful. That, yeah, something meaningful, and I think at the end of the day, I'm happiest, and this is the same with PTing when I'm helping someone. That, that's all I need to do. If mm-hmm. I can find a job where I'm. My job is to help others. Um it that's what makes me happy.
1: Yeah. So, you figured this out pretty early. You know, into your early 20s, you yeah you weren't inclined to any, you know, materialistic positions and any of that carry on, you know.
2: Mate, I could not give a stuff. Yeah, um yeah, and yeah. it probably annoys my missus that I'm <laughs> like that because I would materialistic things just do not matter to me at all. Yeah. Um sometimes I have to be a little bit that way and just so yeah, yeah. cuz I could live like the biggest bum ever, mate, and be quite happy. Um, yeah. you know, so yeah, no, I, I've always been that way. Like I said, yeah. even as that 20 year old kid getting married to like, I just, mm. the outside noise of what you're supposed to do in life and as just, Didn't it's matter. just never been there for me. So I just do it my way. Yeah. And I, you know, the whole, you know, just even the keeping up with the Joneses thing I always go mm. on about. And I just don't give a stuff, man. Yeah. I just don't care. Yeah. It's just not what, that, that's not what makes me happy. Mm. And so, yeah, the materialistic things in life, man, I could not give a stuff about, to yep. be honest. So,
0: yeah.
1: No, it's – I mean, everyone grows up differently, but I think I, – I mean, you know, to be honest, as, as someone who fell into that trap very early on in teens and earning money and yep. through the early 20s, I, that was more of a priority for me. Not necessarily like keeping up with the Joneses, just thinking like if I can have it, I can go get it kind of thing. But yep. falling into – Figuring out now, you know, I'm trying to contribute back to the community any way I can. And, you know, this podcast is, is the start of that. Yep. Um, man, it feels different. And like all this shit here, but I can't wait to get rid of it. You know, a lot of it because it just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. But, um, yeah, anyone listening, try to figure that out early as you can. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and it's hard though because there's a balance, isn't
2: it? You know, yeah. you're like – like you yeah. can not be – you can't just be a complete bum and just live your life, like, mm. just having fun. Yeah. You, know, well, you like can, but it
1: depends, in, you know, if you got kids and or not and yeah. it's like, yeah, I guess everyone's different, eh?
2: Yeah, but I think you just, yeah, I don't know. I just think a little bit deeper about what actually makes me happier, a, yeah. a lot more than maybe, I don't know. That's mm. just, you know.
1: That's some, yeah. Again, that's some serious self-awareness you had at a young age. It's pretty sick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And moving into, I guess... Still with youth work, what was your role and what did that look like?
2: Um, I did a bunch of different things. Um, some of the jobs I had were pretty crazy. Um, like I ended up being, one of my titles was a skate park engagement officer, um, like which was a pretty rad job. Like yeah. I basically got to hang out with kids <laughs> at skate parks <laughs> um, and, and it, was actually, it sounds like it's just I was having a lot of fun but there was a lot of stuff in there that um, I dealt with a lot of family, like broken families and kids that were... A, you know, in some pretty, um, what would you say, just uh, not great can living conditions yeah, and, you know. Subject
1: to DV and stuff like that. Yeah, sometimes. just,
2: and that's it. And a lot of different issues that came up that were actually um, very confronting for me. Um, bit. and uh But just giving that a little bit back to them and just having a safe place for them to sort of express themselves or to do whatever mm. they want to do and let them know that I'm there for them, um, that was, yeah – a big, yeah yeah I think it was quite rewarding to sort of do that role so
1: what else helped you to help them back then so in terms of how did you engage with them and you know how did you approach it to you know uh, make them feel safe
2: yeah um, it's an interesting one because um, I'm not a big guy I'm not a scary looking guy at all um, I've always felt like a strength of mine is being very approachable um, for some reason like, Even when I go out with my family, I'll I'll be out in the street and someone starts having a big conversation with me. And this is like, who's that guy? I have no idea. Just met him. Just met him sort of thing. (laughs) So I don't know what it is.
1: Ah, Troy. (laughs) I just have a way
2: of um, being able to to talk to anyone. Like it could be a 75-year-old grandma I can have a good chat with. It could be a 12-year-old kid. It can be a 3-year-old. You know, Mm. it's just I think it's a strength of mine to be able to build relationships quickly and to, to be able to talk to people. I think that's just one thing I've, I've been able to do well. So when, I, when it came to youth work, I think um, it's funny now because my kids are teenagers and I probably find it hard to relate to them now <laughs> more than anyone. Um, but, you know, that sort of age group, I just sort of, I don't know, I think it's like empathising a little bit, mm. understanding what it's – I think some people sort of forget what it was like to be a teenager and I always try to put myself in their shoes – and I think when you do that, you can sort of understand people better mm. um, and find a place where you find an understanding between each other a lot quicker. So yeah. I think it was just from that, listening, understanding to listen to people yeah. and uh, empathize, yeah. Mm.
1: Where do you think yeah. you learned your skill of listening? So you are a good listener.
2: Hmm. I don't know. I don't know, man. Like maybe from my mum and dad, um, I'm not too sure. I don't know. It's just one of those things that I think you just. Um, I don't know. My my daughter does all this bloody. She's riding to a horoscope stuff, so she's always reading my aura and all these. I don't know. Yes. I I, I, don't, I know way too much about it. Actually, it's pretty bad. <laughs> um, but she's you know she's going on about that's just like a personality trait of me. So that, I think yeah, that's yeah. just always been something that
1: um, naturally come to you. Oh,
2: yeah, that's it. Yeah, and mm. I, you know, there's times where I'm, I'm not listening, so <laughs> my missus would attest to that. So. You know, but
1: <laughs> face changes. She knows. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and what kind of, what would you say would be an interesting job that you did try out? Interesting that, that, job that people may not know because you, you you said you've done a lot. So I'd be curious to.
2: What did I do? That's oh, I'm trying to think something different. Um, what's the strangest one? <laughs> um. I remember doing a bit of uh, that's a bit, yeah. There's just a bunch of different jobs. I couldn't say anything is yeah. too unique. I, th- I worked in a, out at Mundajong, we had to build, um, there's a like a shearing shed for sheep. Um, so that was probably, that was a pretty odd job. Um, so we basically had to rebuild these, um, the um, feeding lots for the sheep to stay in. Um, so we had to knock the old ones down and build the new ones. So I was there for a whole year mm-hmm. and I was basically covered in sheep poo. <laughs> like it was disgusting. Hey, like I was, Smelt so bad every day and they would have dead sheep around. It was disgusting. And a lot of times I would be at that job going, wow, I should have stayed at school, hey. Like it was <laughs> – but funnily enough, like the people I was working for and the, my boss at the time was an absolute legend mm. Um and it just made the job kind of fun because the people I was working around. Yeah. Like it was the worst job ever but it was just because of the people who were so good I was around, I actually had a really good time and it was, it was quite enjoyable. So mm. – um, but I used to come home and every day my missus would be like, I had to basically strip off my clothes at the door, leave them out the front and then I was allowed in straight in the shower sort of thing like because I was just smelt. And I'm not oh. even joking, I couldn't get that sheep poo smell out of my nose for like, yeah, for two years, man. I swear I could just smell it You probably went numb day. to it
1: as well just like you're used to it but everyone else thinks it's fucked.
2: Yeah, my missus, she reckoned you just smelt like that all the time. Like even if I'd showered over the weekend, I was just always smelt that way. So, yeah, that was a pretty unique job, that one. So,
1: yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you think you'll stay in the strength coach scene? I mean, you've been in it 10 years, and do you think this is it? I think this is the job you're sticking up.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's definitely something that as I'm getting older, um, I'm starting to think a little bit more about. You know, like, mm. um, I don't, man, I'm going to go as long as I can. I think that's my level of thinking with it um the day i start stop caring or not have the motivation to help people um i think would be the day i stop so until that happens i'm just going to keep doing what i'm doing
0: mm. um
2: yeah there's there's a lot you know i thought do i go back to youth work which i think is a you know um still something that i could get into um yeah. i've always thought about i don't know just getting into something even more different like you know um like I say, i'm saying good at talking to people and connecting with people like some sort of sales role or something that I can see myself <laughs> doing, you, you know. Could sell anything. <laughs> yeah, I reckon I could do an okay job with it if it was just, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, I see a lot of sales sort of stuff and especially in the PT world mm-hmm. and I see that um, just people being really fake, people selling themselves in a really, I don't know, just not very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Respectable. Just… Credible. Credible and just, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of a word here. Like they're just not coming and not being themselves. Um, and I just find that that's something that when I first came in PT, I remember they were giving us these like sales scripts and you have to read off this. And I just remember looking at it going, I ain't doing that, eh? Mm. It's just not – sorry, that's not me. Um, and I, we used to have these meetings when I first started as a PT and they'd actually take us through and we had to learn the script and we'd meet up every week. Um, and there was about 10 of us and I remember every week they'd be like, yeah, tell us the script, um, and if you get it wrong, you have to do a burpee for each one you get wrong. Um, and I remember when it came to me, everyone went, "Oh crap! Oh no!" Because they knew I didn't know the script at all. I didn't study it. I didn't look at it. Yeah. Um. So when it came to me, everyone knew, "Crap, we're down for burpees." You know. And, yeah, yeah. and then when I looked at like the other trainers in the gym compared to me, mm. um, my sales, I was, you know, I was, you know, converting most people.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I wasn't following a script, I was just
2: talking to them. I was just actually curious to know what their goals were. I was Mm. actually, I wanted to know their backstory without using the script. I would get there anyways just by talking to them. So, um, yeah, being genuine—that's the word I was going Mm. for before. You know, like, you know, I think there's a place to be really genuine in sales, and um, that doesn't come off. And because people see it these days too, if you're not authentic, see through. eh? People just see it through it so quickly. Mm. Yeah.
1: Where do you think PTs and coaches have gone wrong? Because, you know, obviously the blowing up of social media and it's become quite lucrative for some people if they've managed to, you know, trap people into plans. um, But you can tell they've been fake about it. Yep. What do you think was the tipping point between being a genuine PT where it held some – credibility about it to, yep. to anyone jumping online calling themselves a coach. What do you think went wrong?
2: Um, I think for me when I what I see the problem is is why people start in the first place. Um, so I, I think especially the last maybe five, six years, and this goes for gym owners as well, is that I think people now jump into this industry because they see it as a business that could profit from mm. rather than being I'm doing it because I actually truly – love this and I want to help people. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so, you know, you see that a lot more now, like getting into fitness industry now, you can actually make, you can be a, you know, you know, you can make a lot of money. You can make a like massive it. business from it um, quite easily and quickly as well. So um, I think I just see people that are attached to that first. Mm. Um, rather Pro- Profits than being, over people kind of thing. Yeah, it? it's yeah. always got to be about the training about people first and about helping them and then, mm hopefully from there you can grow it from there too. So um, that's probably just something that I've noticed over the last few years and just working around just um, seeing this sort of people when I first started to now as well, yeah.
1: Mm. Who are some, I guess, well-known PTs or coaches that you, you know, idolize or would see as a mentor yep. um, online or even in person?
2: Oh, geez, there's a few. Yeah. Um, I'll give a shout out to my first ever mentor that I had as a, as a PT, um, Simon. Uh, this guy was – he's one of these guys, very introverted, really quiet. I um, mean he was a PT at our gym and I, I don't think he was ever really that busy at our gym but he sort of like mentored the group and he was sort of like the manager of all the PTs. Yeah, okay. Um, and he was just super intelligent. Like just one of those guys that knew heaps about training, about nutrition, just – and it just sort of shocked you because he's sort of like a nerdier sort of looking guy. Sorry, Simon, you are though, mate. <laughs> he's actually, he was pretty jacked. I remember when you like, when he first got a training show, I was like, holy crap, man, <laughs> look at you, you're jacked, you yeah. know, like, but he was just so smart and just had so much knowledge. Mm. Um, and I really learned heaps off him to start with. Um, and I just sort of, you know, just anything I said, I just sort of started to listen to and he really helped um, get me off the ground a little bit. And um, yeah, so he was a. He was a good starting point, and it's funny. Like all through the industry, it's always been these some of these sort of really introverted, really quiet people that are so knowledgeable, and mm. they're not they're not usually huge on social media or are really out in people's faces. And I've learned a lot more off these sort of people, yeah. Um, as I go, and some of the so it's usually some of the people that you wouldn't know much about.
0: Mm. Um,
2: so even um like guys like I respect in the powerlifting world, like Brian Cook is the yep. coach I had, who's um. You know, I learned a lot. I got some coaching off him, and he's a super intelligent guy as well, you know. And same thing, just kind of introverted sort of guy and yeah. doesn't sort of, you know, put himself out like yeah, some okay. other coaches would. But just, yeah, I really learned a lot from, from those mm. sort of guys. So,
1: yeah. And, and I'm, you know, remember during his peak, he just turned up to the platform and fucking perform. You know, yeah. the proof was in the pudding.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's really, I mean, he's a strong lift. He's, yeah. and he's one of those guys too that I think is, um, you know he's passionate about the lifting as well
0: mm. and about
2: helping people too and I think um, that's one side of the, uh, the PT world I think that's kind of sad to see as well like that some of those really introverted sort of type people yeah. um, are some of the best people I've learned from and they they're not as successful as some of these ones that you see that are yeah just showing everyone what they can do but they're you know yeah. they're not that great at what they do it's just mm. because they're so extroverted and so out there that they show this you know facade really and people latch onto that i guess so yeah so i guess you know
1: like like you're saying it's a fine balance how what, what would be some advice you'd say to cut through social media and media in a genuine way to new pts or coaches because fuck it'd be a mission eh?
2: man i'm <laughs> yeah. probably the wrong person to ask to be honest eh? I, st- I don't understand the social media world at all, yeah. Like, I think I try to, mm. but I don't really get it. Hey, like, and I'm, I'm, you know, AJ, I've got to say, has been a bigger influence on me to sort of be out there in social media.
0: Mm. He
2: pushed me big time with it. Yeah. Um, if he didn't give me the push, I probably wouldn't do, you know, as much as I do. And I, mm. I still don't. I'm not massive on there, but, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a part of the job that's going to help you um, to grow your business as well. Um, but saying that, at the same time, you can get stuck down that rabbit hole of thinking, yeah. just post every day and put yourself out there, and all this, and really, that doesn't always just bring you clients. So yeah, if
1: you don't know the meat and potatoes of it, you're not really providing any value anyway. You, are got, you?
2: you got to have something on there going, you know. I think mm-hmm. these days, so yeah,
1: yeah. Thoughts on social media and kids, and do you do you do you manage that somehow, or what? How do you feel about that?
2: Um, yeah, something i probably harp on a fair bit about actually. Um, I don't know I'm pretty old school, man. Like mm. I, I always think back to, I'm 36 now. Um, so through my whole high school years, um, I did not have Facebook. Um, I think we had MSN coming through. Yeah. Um, so I always said, I feel like I'm the last generation or our age group with the last generation that didn't have social media yeah, as, as a teenager. So you know, I think I got Facebook when I was, I would have been 20 or something when I first got it um, and really was introduced to the sort of that side, the social media world um, then. So I've seen what it's like not to have it. And I had a great childhood. Mm. Um, I loved, you know, I was so physical and active and, you know, you see all the hobbies and all the things I did. I learned all that through that time. Um, And I think a lot of it, yeah, just being outside, Mm. being active as well. And I'm kind of lucky. I I, I do. I actually think I'm really lucky that I didn't have that. So now that I see that with young kids, I see it as almost a burden Mm -hmm. because they now have to grow up sort of taking on the responsibility of having social media as well in their lives Mm -hmm. as also trying to find out who they are as a person.
1: In real life.
2: In real life. So, um, And I think going back to the authenticity and being genuine, I think with so much social media out there for young kids – they sort of see it and think, I've just got to be like this person or like this. Like, this. they're aspiring to these things that are a lot of the times they're they're fake, they're not real, you know? So, um, I think they get confused. I think they, you know, there's more pressure on them. There's, you know, there's all these things that they're, mm. it's just making it even more difficult to try to find yourself. It's hard enough being a teenager trying to find who you are as a person. Yeah. But then you're thro- th- throwing all this, like, everything's just in your face. So,. Mm. Um, so I do feel really bad for them. So I think with my kids now, I'm always, you know, they they must hear this a lot. I talk to them a lot about that, you know, what's real and what's right and what's deep down, what's really important to you. That's awesome. You know? So
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, at at risk of sounding like a 90s motivational speaker, <laughs> you really do have to be yourself. Like, yeah. But how do we communicate that to our children?
2: Yeah, yeah. That's the million dollar question, there, man. I don't know. It's um. I think it's just giving them that reality, you know. Like I talk to my kids all the time about, you know, like just because you see it online and they say it sometimes, I'll be like, oh, dad, have you heard this happen? I was like, no, like really? And I was like, where'd you read that? And I said, oh, on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, what makes that you think that that's true then? Because anyone can get on Facebook and write anything, mate. So like it's, you know, just having those sort of conversations, just understanding that, you know, Everything you see and read and all this, it doesn't make it true just because you've seen it once on a, on a social media platform. So mm. just being able to be a bit more open-minded, I think, and having the conversation of, you know, questioning things as well, you know. Is yeah. that real? Make your own mind up on it too. Um, I'm really big on this, you know, I think I said a quote before, that the, there's no right, there's no wrong. There's just a balance of the things you know off a really um, good Nada surf song. Um, I love that quote because it's just so true. You're like, you sort of… You, you might hear one thing and then you hear another thing and they're opposing. But for me, at the end of the day, you take what you get out of all of that mm. and then make your decision on yeah, that. Yeah,
1: that's a good way to look at it, eh? Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, do you do you think social media should be policed or monitored? That's... Like t- speaking about kids and younger generations.
2: So do you mean as in...
1: I guess as a parent. Do you yeah. think it should be monitored and oh, big time? Placed? Yeah,
2: yeah, you should definitely be like we put things in place with our kids, like, right. um, and I want to do even more so with this um, with my kids too. Especially now, they big, you know I've got some two teenagers now. Yep. Um, but yeah, we've we've always done things like you know just cut off times on how long they spend on there, um, and even just always trying to find things for them to do outside of that as well. Yeah. Um the thing yeah. I want to do now is like, you know, like uh, I want to get back into some, doing some camping trips with the kids, but I want to do a thing where we like like grab a bag, everyone even myself and the wife included, we get our phones and we chuck it in a bag, we tie it up. Man. And for the weekend, we just we do what we whatever we want to do. Yeah. And that's given them a taste of what I was talking about before when when I was a kid. Mm. You know, we went away on a family trip, we didn't stop to sort of post this at a, you know, we've done this. Yeah, for the gram stuff. For the gram, this is, a, you know, just build that own core memory in your own mind, yeah. you know, like that sort of thing, so.
1: For sure. What are some of your favorite activities to do with your kids? Because I see him hooning around on a pushy and um, footy.
2: Yeah, man, like that. Yeah, like at the end of the day, like my, when I'm happiest is watching my kids do what they do. Um, so whether that's my son doing his BMX, um, my daughter and my son playing football. Um, I find it so bizarre when people go. oh, I got to go see my kid play a sport oh, on the weekend, or yeah, um, like and that you know like and that's why that it doesn't feel sit for, well with me. Hey, as oh well. man, that, how could you say that? That is the <laughs> best part of my week. Every week going to watch them do what they do. Like, mm. um, except when I was, I don't know if you saw my story the other day. I was pouring down with rain and. It was 10.30 oh, 10, yeah, at night yeah, filming for and my boy. son's making me film him and his mates on his uh, BMX. <laughs> yeah. But I was, you know, I was, yeah. I was giggling about it, but I was like, mm. you know. That
1: looks. Like, where was that track, by the way?
2: Uh, Bayswater Skate Park. Yeah. yeah, right. It's pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah, Kids are very lucky when it comes to BMX and skate parks these days, that's for sure.
1: Mm. So. Yeah, big time. quinana has got a sick one. Yeah, quinana has got a
2: decent setup now. And the BMX thing now is just like, it's like skateboarding when I was probably his age. It's just huge now, so. Mm.
1: So did you grow up skating or BMXing or both?
2: I got into more BMX first, actually. Like me and my brother were pretty obsessed with our BMX bikes until I think I hit about 12, 13, and then um, my brother started skateboarding. So it was always my brother, would same with music. He started playing music. I wanted to do what he was doing. So, um, yeah, And went skateboarding. I started doing that. It, ju- it just took over everything mm-hmm. um, and, yeah, put the BMX away and barely rode it again after – um, I just fell in love with skateboarding, and yeah, it was a big part of my teenage years as well. So,
1: yeah, yeah. Also, with your teenage years, bit of punk rock.
2: Yep, I was what that classic, uh, classic punk rock skateboard kid. So yeah. no yeah. effects. I was, oh yeah, I just loved punk rock music. Yeah. So, um, I just liked all that sort of rebellion, sort of stuff. I guess mm. you could say.
1: What, what kind of bands did you grow up on?
2: um well it was a bit of a mixture i mean the punk rock thing was huge you know for me like in my teenage years so no FX, mill and colin pennywise strung out you know you go through all the f- fat records bands and um Black flag yeah just i loved just punk rock you know that was definitely and i played in punk rock bands you know so that was a um a big part but then i you know uh things evolves you know and I, I i like folk music and acoustic stuff i like a bit of hip-hop i like you know there's a bit of every a metal i like you know i like all forms of music now i don't actually listen to as much punk rock as i did so I, even mm. though i still do listen a fair bit but um, my taste in music you know definitely evolved a little bit from when i was 14 so
1: yeah yeah, yeah. how's the drumming going We're drumming is
2: a uh, weird sort of thing with me like as i was just telling you earlier like i've i've just um I've been drumming since I was probably 12 years old, um, but I've never really learned how to play. I know that sounds weird, mm-hmm. but uh, I just started playing. I think I got drum lessons. My my parents bought me a drum kit and uh, I started to play it and it was horrendous. I didn't know how to play like at all and I was just playing this thing and they're like, oh, crap, <laughs> we better get him drum lessons. So uh, they got me a drum teacher and I went there a couple of times and this guy tried to – Teach me some real basic stuff, and I was like, "Dude, I just want to learn how to play rock beats. I don't yeah, care about yeah, yeah. this stuff." Um, and quick, quickly after that, I was like, "I dropped the lessons." I said, "Mum, I don't want to go. I'll mm. just, I'll figure out myself." Um, so I pretty, pretty much from there, just self-taught myself. Um, and then for years and years, I played, and I've always enjoyed drums. I love drum, drumming. Um, but just at the start of this year, I bought myself a double kick pedal, which I've always so, wanted to learn how to do.
1: Yeah, Tomorrow right.
2: Yeah, it is. Yeah, hey, uh, what do you think of it? um well that's is the it, only one it, i've ever used oh, okay. so is i Is chain or strap it's chain yeah chain, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so i've never i've never really i've sort of played around with them every now and then but never mm. took time to learn um so i was like oh i'm gonna use this i'm gonna learn how to do metal breakdowns and yeah. you know, fast punk beats and uh I, I quickly learned that this is really hard um mm. like learning how to play double kicks like basically like learning drums all over again um so I started doing some lessons online and stuff, and just some, some basic things, and it's changed my way of thinking about drums, and um, it made me just start properly learning. Like I've now, I now take time to sort of just to learn the basics of drums, and um, I'm like actually, like I always just played it for fun. Like I'd, i t- my practice was put it on, put the Spotify on. And just whatever comes on your drum to, until to, you know, yeah, yeah. and just play it, and just have hey, boy, a lot of fun yeah. with it. But now I'm like, no, let's let's break down all these songs. Let's let's learn each individual part. Um, and I'm really enjoying, like, um, just getting better, um, and I'm improving a lot. Probably in the last six months than I have in the last twenty odd years. Just yeah, from yeah. just being a little bit more, you know, taking a little bit more time to learn it. So, mm. yeah. who
1: who is some of your? Uh, drummers that you, you know, really looked up to or were, were trying to follow their beats and stuff? Um, well, growing up, like, I'd say t- Taylor Hawkins, mm.
2: Travis Barker were the two yeah. bigger ones for me. Like, I, you know, just drumming along to Blink stuff and um, Foo Fighters was yeah. just the way they play. Like, Taylor Hawkins especially was just early days for me. Like mm, Legend. Just how hard he hits the drums. And um, mm. so they, they were two of the bigger ones for me. Um, they probably still are the two main ones for me as well, you know, that, that I enjoy playing along to.
1: I think First Dates was the first Blink song I learned. Good song.
2: On on drums as yeah, well? Yeah. And, man, that opening oh, feel that was like, hard. Do, 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 do. Yeah. yeah. And Travis yeah. Bark is ridiculous. Like he's so good. He's just so amazing at drums. So, um, yeah. I can't. Do you,
1: you rate some of his work with Machine Gun Kelly?
2: I did for a little bit. Um, but honestly... It's sort of – I don't think I can fully commit to getting into that. I just think that Machine Gun Kelly's stuff is a bit – coming from the background of punk rock that I listen to.
1: <laughs> Complete opposite, eh?
2: It just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> so like, I get – I, I like it. You want it. Him to
1: say in his hip-hop hole?
2: <laughs> yeah, pretty much, to be honest. To be honest, like – and he's not that bad. And I think yeah, I liked it because Travis Barker's drumming and stuff got me hooked into it because I just listen to that. You just listen to his drumming and I'm like, oh this sounds good already, Yeah, you know. But then I started listening to it more and more and I was like listening to the even just the lyrics and stuff and I'm like, he kind of reminds me of Aldous Snow from, um, what's that movie, Get Him to the Greek? (laughs) I always say that's where he reminds me of. Have you seen that movie?
1: Yeah, but I can't picture who you're talking about.
2: Okay, the the Russell Brand character. Okay. That's who he reminds me of and I I just can't, I don't know. It just doesn't come across as – like that he's a real punk rocker. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I, yeah. I don't mind his stuff, but I wouldn't say I'd, I'd go out of my way to listen to that. Mm. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. There's better punk rock bands going around. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, big
1: time. Who are you, who are you trying to learn at the moment?
2: Uh, on drums? Yeah. Uh, I've got one track that I'm just learning at the moment. So I spent the last 10 days, I reckon, because I'm like every day I'm going to learn a part of this song. Uh, and um, so, no one knows by Queens of Stone Age. Um, that's the drum track I'm learning at the moment. Um, yep. And I'm, I've gone so savage on this one. Like, I'm like broken down each little part. I've taken recordings off YouTube and slowed it down and, um, and learned little bits day by day. It must be annoying the hell out of my neighbors, hey? I, I'm so <laughs> like, there's one part that I must have played for over two hours just trying to learn this thing, hey? It's just over and over and over again. My poor kids as well. So, oh,
1: what but, were some of the first uh, like double kick songs that really caught your eye ears, and you thought I have to learn that? The, what made you get a double the, kick? The,
2: there is a, actually a track that made me want to get double kick because I was like, I just need to learn how to play it. Which is um, Amity Affliction Open Letter. Yeah, you know that chorus comes in, and that I'm song, like, oh yeah. man, I need to learn how to play this. So, um, and I still can't play that very well. So, <laughs> I realized that was too hard. So. Yeah, great um, band.
1: Did you, did you roll Fruity, Fruity Lexia days? Amity Affliction? Say again, sorry? Their song Fruity Lexia um, in that album? I think which is that, album was that? Was it, it Young Bloods? Or oh, the yeah, b- yeah. One before yeah, yeah. that. Oh, Severed Ties.
2: I don't think I heard that as much from that. Yeah, the Young Blood was stuff good. is when I yeah, got young, into Yeah, Young Bucks
1: was sick. Amity yeah.
2: Affliction, that's probably, yeah. And that's probably not my. F- I'm a more of a fan of the Amity's, the older stuff, um, your yeah. stuff, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Not. Not the very last two albums, but sort of somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. I'm just. Same uh, with Bring Me the Horizon, that sort of middle middle of the road yeah. album stuff oh, is my favourite. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Grew up on them. Yeah. Pray for Plagues. So I was a little bit stuff. later to the
2: party to that sort of metal punk scene. Mm. You know, I was more just straight up punk rock. Um, but then, yeah.
1: Data f- Remember? What do you think of them?
2: Oh, I love Data Remember. Yeah. They'd be in my top five bands. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that band. I just love, I love that they've got a great mix of metal, punk, uh, acoustic sort of stuff. Mm. I just, there's always, there's always a track you can listen to from those guys.
1: Downfall of Us All, Breakdown. Yeah. Solid.
2: Yeah, that is a hard, yeah, another another hard band to play along to as well.
1: Did you ever get into Under Oath?
2: Not really, no. Like I know some of their songs, but I wouldn't say I'd I'd spend a lot of time listening to them. uh,
1: Aaron Gillespie, amazing drummer. Obviously you'd, you'd appreciate him, but. He he fucking hits the drums, man. You ever see some of his live stuff? I don't know yeah. how his drums survive, eh? Yeah, he's one of the hardest hitting drummers I've ever like I've ever seen. Yeah, right. It's and I, I love hard the hard stuff. hitters.
2: Yeah. Um, it just made me think of yeah other um, Lucius Borich from a band, Australian band, Cog.
1: Oh yeah. Um, he yeah
2: he was a definitely a guy I, I idolized on drums. Mm. Um, I got to see him like live. You know, I paid for it show just him playing drums yeah yes yeah, and i sat like this close to him playing drums right we yeah, and yeah. my god like you're going like this every because of how hard he was hitting yeah, feel and like- i couldn't hear for a week after seeing it but it was just awesome to watch mm. him play so
1: yeah carnival
2: yeah loves carnival yeah, good, eh? yeah yeah
1: actually super technical man, man like I, I was like oh yeah i'm just gonna learn a carnival song no yeah no that's <laughs> super tech
2: yeah, just all the time signature yeah, stuff they do California is Hotel, very, yeah, yeah very difficult. Hey,
1: yeah. Who's another Aussie one? Dead Letter Circus, so good.
2: Love Dead Letter Circus, so good, man. I, I can't remember the name is Luke. I think his name is. I can't remember his last name. Drummer, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. But he's another. Hey, man, he hits him hard. Yeah, I'm a big yeah. fan of just guys. That just I can't stand watching drummers hit it softly. Nah. It just straight away I'm just like, oh,
1: no good. No, nah.
2: if you're gonna no be good. a drummer, hit him hard. So.
1: Paramore drummer. It's pretty hard,
2: very hard hitting drama too. You know, I only found out the other day he was like twelve when he
1: started. I was that just game. about to say that. I was like, A "Fucking unreal way."
2: Because just even some I of the, the some of the work he does as well is it's mature the way he plays. Yeah. So I was I was shocked that he's only twelve because um, he's got his own Nuts, sort of man. style. You know, he doesn't follow anyone. He's got his own sort of thing going on. So that's yeah, very impressive. With him.
1: And his style was very sounds easy, but it's not again yeah it is you, weird you, you that think afternoon. you can pick it up like in an hour you can't
2: yeah yeah big time hey yeah. yeah i found that trying to learn some of his songs
1: yeah top three tracks on repeat when you're lifting, what's, oh, your lifting? Go to, what's your go-to
2: this always changes so i don't know um i'd have to say amity affliction give it all is still one of my favorites um, that's always going to be a number one. What else though? Yeah, it's always changing. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of this track, but it's an architect song. That's my. Oh
1: yeah.
2: I forgot the name of the song now. Great band. But yeah, one of the yeah. anything from them at the moment. I'm pretty. Uh, I get around.
1: Mm. Um, Do you smash yellow card? Um,
2: not so much. There's a, there's a few songs that I like from them. They always come up in my Spotify playlist, but, um, I wouldn't say I've spent as much time listening to them, Mm. um, as I have a lot of other punk bands, but yeah.
1: Yeah. What's, what's some of the heaviest stuff that you, that you can enjoy? Heaviest stuff? Yeah.
2: Um, I don't go super heavy a lot of time. Like I always like a bit of melody Mm. in my, you know, so probably the heaviest I'd go would be, you know, like Slipknot um who else is really heavy kill switch yeah don't mind a bit of kill switch um who else is i love um i know they're still very punky but they can go really heavy memphis mayfire oh, that's yeah. a that's a band that's a to get around. yeah i love that yeah. band. uh who else
1: reminds you of funeral for a friend yeah listen to them. <laughs> yeah 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 uh scarlet drive did you ever listen to the pretty emo Scarlet Drive, actually. Yeah,
2: okay, yeah. Yeah, sometimes, uh, and yeah, Memphis Mayfair can get a bit emo too sometimes, <laughs> but. Yeah. Orphan Heights. Yeah. emo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that stuff though, man. So,
1: yeah, yeah, so. Following from PTing, I've seen some of your calisthenics stuff. Yep. Was that the first form of programming and working out that you got into? Uh,. Probably would would have been.
2: It was probably the first sort of like direction I wanted to go in mm. as a as a like what I stood for as an athlete, I guess. In in training when I when I when I went back into the gym, anyways. So um, yeah, I just I remember just I started doing a little bit of bodybuilding, I guess, as everyone does when they get in the gym. You want to look better, so you do your your standard sort of what everyone does to try to look better. You know, some sort of bodybuilding based. <laughs> you know, training routine where you come and do your arms and then you come and do your arms again and <laughs> uh, yeah, and just skip your legs every session. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then um, I don't know what, I, I think it was like the Bar Brothers. you ever seen them? I don't know if you have.
1: Bar Brothers. Rings a bell. Rings so a bell. There was, was just like a, OG YouTube stuff. Yeah, they yeah. were just a bunch
2: of dudes that did like, um, yeah, just did calisthenics and they they were just shredded mm. and they were doing these like just crazy muscle-ups and handstands and I was like, oh, man, that is awesome, like, mm. you know, like, and um and my missus had the background of doing gymnastics. So, oh, yeah. So we actually started going to some, like, um, adult gymnastics classes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we started learning some of that stuff and, yeah, it just took off from there. I just really enjoyed mm. um, calisthen I don't know. I just thought the the bodybuilding world was not my sort of scene. Like, I remember when I f- first started as a PT and I was, like, went to the shows and um, I just didn't really think, like it was impressive i was mm. like wow this you is you respect amazing. the work I, and everything. i, and yeah, I yeah. always have with that you know like people say they're not athletes and they are they definitely are so mm. um and the, the dedication wide, and work definitely. they put in is just a different yeah. sport so um but it, for me it was like i couldn't imagine myself getting up on stage and <laughs> like, i can't even flex in the front of the mirror myself like with myself there so like, I was was
1: like it, does it just feel too vain
2: um, <laughs> I feel
1: silly to be honest, like,
2: you know, cause I trained a lot with, um, Jacob Harris shout out and w- yep. like, and he loves that stuff. And yeah, yeah. a lot of the young guys do it. And that's perfectly fine, man. Yeah. And like, if you're really confident and comfortable in yourself, that's great. Like go do it. I have nothing against it at all, Like, flex up hard in front of the mirror. If it makes yeah, you feel
1: good. You're not going to go pull a side chest in I the just, mirror. At the if gym, I do it, you? it's
2: a joke. <laughs> like, as like, I'm just having a bit of a laugh and a bit of fun. Like, yeah. You know, I I honestly haven't done a proper flex in front of the mirror to sort of see how I'm going for a long, long time. So maybe I'm...
1: Oh, hang on, Troy. There's a few back shots on your socials, mate. Go on. Yeah,
2: yeah, but (laughs) usually that's sort of like... You know, some of those are just sort of like I'm taking a video. I'm like, yeah. oh shit,
1: yeah, oh,
2: I have some muscle there. That's kind of cool. Yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> it's reassuring. It's yeah, you got to yeah. check. you got to check now and then. Yeah,
2: and like I said, I don't have anything against it. Mm. Like, uh, I just think, you know, like people that do that in the gym and people that are like, oh, look at them, they're so vain. I was like, well, they're training for that. Like, exactly. Everyone yeah. wants to look good from their training. If you're, yeah, you're kidding yourself if you're thinking you're not. Mm. So at the end of the day, we all want to look good, you know. So yeah, for sure. Um, but I think for me, like. It doesn't matter as much now as it did then. You know, when I first got into the gym, like, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just not as important. I guess you don't
1: need to hit arms every second day anymore.
2: I don't need to, and if I do it, I, I just enjoy. I still enjoy that style of training. Yeah, like yeah. bro sessions, just you know, that's good fun. They are fun, you know. So, mm. um, and they're just easy to do, and they're not sort of you know, you know, I can't go that's and just I can't do hard. a yeah. can't go and throw a snatch on up every yeah, day, you know. So
1: for sure, did you get into free running? Free running? Yeah. No.
2: No. No, nah, okay. I nah, never really got
1: Okay, sorry. Just hit you, hit you with a side question there. No, no. No, I thought you might have been involved uh, because of, you know, calisthenics stuff. But, um, yeah, I guess that's a different different sport and hobby that people were into. Yeah. So that's but, pretty impressive.
2: Yeah, calisthenics was just a, um, oh, I guess it was a, took up a big part of what I did. Mm. Um, but even then, I didn't sort of really do it. You know, say I was like a proper calisthenics guy. I was still doing mm. squatting and deadlifting and all these other different movements. I think I just did my own hybrid Troy thing.
1: Yeah. Um, what, then, so what, what got you into powerlifting eventually? Uh,
2: my wife did actually. So um, she did it. She did a competition. So she was a PT as well, um, and she just sort of found it herself. I don't know how. Um, she just started getting into it. Yeah, right. Um, and everyone started paying me out that. She's stronger than me. Um, she probably was at that stage and I was like um, – You're like, can't
1: have that. Yeah, no, no. no. I,
2: I love – she just loved it and it was and it was really good for her. And then mm. um, I went and watched her compete um, at a Ruchi's comp, one of the early, yeah, early nice. days of Rucci's um, first gyms. Yeah. And I was just blown away, man. Mm. I was like – I was so impressed with her and I was just like, man, that looks so much fun. And just seeing the inclusive – Inclusivity, is that a word? Yeah. Just seeing so many different people, different backgrounds, different age. It didn't matter who you were, or how you looked.
1: Yeah, that's it, eh?
2: And And they were athletes. They were people really yeah. pushing themselves athletically. And I just thought, man, this – like, after mm-hmm. that day, I was like, I'm going in on Monday, I'm starting a squat. Like, it was instant. I'm like, I'm starting this, you know?
1: And seeing her, she must be extremely, you know, elated about her performance as well. Not no, really. The, no?
2: no? No, well, that was her first and last comp. So we're yeah, we're right. very different that way. So she she's uh, she's not a very competitive person. Um, she's not a really she, she just doesn't have that side of it. Like everything she's done as an athlete for her has been really internal, mm-hmm. um, and it's really just about her, um, which I really respect massively. Big time. But for me, I don't know. I've I've got a little edge in me that's always like I want to I want to be the best I can be. Yeah, um, yeah, So and I I like getting up and. Beating other people, like, mm. you know. Oh, for sure. You know, I, I yeah. did as oh, a must, kid. I must just feel good, yeah. Yeah, I just enjoyed – it's not even beating other people. I just enjoy the competition. Mm. I enjoy you, pushing myself it? against yeah. someone else. It's, it's healthy. Yeah, sure. yeah. and I think I've got a really healthy relationship with that too. Like, yeah, I can, if sick. someone does beat me, I'm – we're the first to shake their hand mm. So say, well done. And mm. then I'll be like, I'm coming for you though. So yeah, straight yeah, after yeah. as well. So, you know, like um, – so for her, it was never um, – she sort of did it, and I think she was just like it was like ticked off the list that yeah, was a fun thing to do, and she moved on to the next thing so um, whereas for me i I you know I remember after that I signed up for my first comp, and I, I did the comp and I was just as soon as I finished I was like, let's get back in mm-hmm. like let's let's get back to where I can get stronger than this and then it just you know from there it just it just kept growing
1: and Can you remember your first platform performance?
2: Yeah, yeah, I can, yeah, I can remember the numbers um,
1: what'd you hit? Uh, How'd you
2: go? I think I did a hundred and forty-two kilo squat, um, hundred and two kilo bench, and I was hundred and eighty kilo deadlift first comp. Yeah,
1: nice. Yeah.
2: So solid. Yeah, and I was probably about seven I would have been just over seventy kilos, I think. That's, so, yeah, that's strong. So it wasn't yeah, it wasn't too bad to start. Yeah. Um,
1: how long did you program for that?
2: I would have done about three months of Proper, like, so I'd been squatting and deadlifting. Mm. I hadn't benched at all, actually. That's something that I didn't do. Um, I always had a lot of troubles with my shoulder benching, and it was just basically because I couldn't bench properly. Mm. Um, until someone taught me how to bench properly. Um, so I'd, I just neglected doing bench work. Um, but because of the calisthenics stuff, yeah. um, you I must was, have a
1: good foundation. From, yeah, well, from I, I just remember
2: I benched 100 really quickly without having yeah. much.
1: Well, you guys um, just fucking dip all day, don't you?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, like. My bench didn't really grow that much from where it is then to now, um, so maybe the calisthenics thing was probably had some carryover more than I thought it did. So mm. just doing heavy dips and those sort of things, those sort of movements might have, you know, help me build that upper body strength, I guess. So yeah, because bench really didn't go far that my whole, you know, I went from one hundred two to one hundred twenty two is the best bench I've done. So that's good, man. So it's still yeah. quite slow pro yeah. progress there.
0: Oh,
1: so. Certainly is ollie lifting how did you
2: get into that um so originally i've always wanted to learn how to do olympic lifting mm. um even when i first started powerlifting i, I was seeing it and just been like well, that looks like a lot of fun um yeah. but i just never really took the time to go back to the basics of learning it mm. um i was when we first went to lockdown and covid and i had my own home gym set up um that was like all right I've got I'm going to be here for a while. No one can see what I'm going to do. Yeah. I started, I'm going to do ollie lifting now. Like, this is going to be something I'm going to try and do. And I reckon the first, second session, I remember I just smashed like the barbell into my nuts really bad. <laughs> and just like I was on the floor in, in a lot of pain. I eh? like just, <laughs> I wish I got footage of it. I was just laying on the floor for 10 minutes and I just went, yeah, nuts. Nah. I need to get someone to show me how to That's do this properly. so complex. Fucking hell. I just, it, yeah, when I first wanted to learn it, I just had no idea what I was doing. Mm. Um, and I was, so I left it for ages after that. And then um, AJ started bringing it into our programming for um, uh, for our, con- our classes. He said, yeah, I want to yeah. add That's some right. of this in. Um, so you boys, you know, might want to start learning some of the movements. And mm. I remember he just took, took us through a simple session and just broke it down a bit. And I was like, you know what, this is... I'm keen to learn more of this. You know, I want to mm. get, I want to learn how to do this. Um, and then from there, it was just, yeah, I just added little bits in my training in between my, what I was doing with powerlifting, um, and it grew from there. And I think mm. for me, it was just that excitement and fun of training again of something new. You know, I'd been squatting, benching, deadlifting every day for yeah, yeah. five years straight. Every every Monday was a squat day. Um, I, so I think eventually it just sort of. I was just getting a little bit bored of it, really, to be mm. honest, and I just wanted something new and different to try. So, uh, the Olympic lifting sort of, yeah, took off from there. And
1: how did your comp go? How did you feel about that?
2: Yeah, it was. Um, I wouldn't say I was elated like like that. I was like, I feel like I'm only scratching the surface with this Olympic lifting, so I'm trying to be really patient with it and uh, understand that where I see myself with it is is a long term picture. Um, so, like, I should stop myself and go, you should be proud of what you've done. But there's a big part of me that's going, hey, I'm just starting.
1: Yeah, you know what? I've got a lot possible.
2: more, you know, so mm-hmm. I sort of just, I took that as like, yep, that's the experience of understanding how a comp works. And then, um, yeah, like, yeah, now I really want, I'm so determined to sort of push myself um, and really get as much out of my body over the next few years. Um, mm. You know, I'm getting closer to 40 now. I'm just, I just want to make. The most of any time I've got athletically to really push myself, I guess. So. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's a great way to look at it, eh? <laughs> Fuck, if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. How's your uh, team of powerlifters going? You got a man, pretty solid team, It's consistent been, whites, getting stronger.
2: Yeah, it's, that's been amazing, man. Like, to be honest, like, um, going back to the Olympic lifting thing, like, I, I made a – That was it. Was a hard decision to come to to stop competing in powerlifting in a way because then I thought my identity as a coach, like I'm, you know, I was doing a lot of powerlifting coaching, mostly powerlifting coaching, and I thought if I'm not competing, like I've always said, you should, you know, work with someone that works in who's involved in the sport that you're doing. Like, you know, I wouldn't, you wouldn't come see me to do a bikini competition. Mm. I've no idea. You know, I I haven't done. Been around it myself. I'd I would send someone to see someone that I know in the industry that would do a good job for it. So I didn't want to be that person that like you know. That's
1: also the difference between a good coach and a bad coach because you'll you'll refer someone who you trust as well. Yeah, who specialize in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, and some people might just go, "I'm
2: not comfortable seeing that person. I want you to help me." Mm. And to be honest, that's how I started as a powerlifting coach. Like, I actually never went out to become a powerlifting coach there was never a time where i went yep you know what now i'm gonna be a powerlifting coach i still don't even think of myself as a powerlifting coach i just it's just whatever people want to do yeah and the people that have come to see me is what i coach them for so Mm. um and you know so i had a couple of so yeah when i got into the olympic lifting thing it was sort of like oh this is going to be a bit sad now like people are probably going to you know, I might not do as much powerlifting coaching now. I'm going to have to, you know, find my own. And I had this idea of oh, I would just be an all-round coach of mm. whatever people want to do.
1: Yeah. Um, but Were you worried about losing a few lifters, you know, if you were I weren't- wasn't
2: worried about losing, like, the clients that I already had. Mm. I was just worried that about long-term is, like, how my, you know, I'd sort of set myself up to be, like, coaching mostly powerlifting. So, um, but strangely, six months into – um into it uh, my business was growing for powerlifting and it's only just got bigger and bigger since i've done less of it um so which was really strange to me but i think a lot of it is to do with the fact that i i didn't ever lose the love of coaching for powerlifting and i still love the sport too so Mm. as much as i didn't have that like i remember doing my last powerlifting comp that i did and didn't really get the same feeling that I had I mean I, I, I pulled a deadlift to win the comp which is something that I always wanted to do and yeah, I did it and I did sick. I walked out the back and everyone's like well done and I just didn't really get that that yeah, dopamine right. sort of hit you get from training where you feel fantastic yeah. and that for me I went home that night knowing okay that's probably the last one I'm gonna do for a while
1: because
2: mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just not getting what I you know yeah so um, but when I um, coach people, and they hit a PB, like, and I still now. I think I get way more excited when a client hits a PB than I do. I really do. Like, I love seeing someone, just especially if they hit a lift that you didn't even think was possible. Yeah. You're just like, whoa, man! Like yeah, this, this is freaking epic. So, um, so I've never lost the love for powerlifting coaching, and I think because I've stepped back away from the competing side of, and I can just do my own little thing off the side that no one really cares or knows about. I can really put all my work into being the best coach I can be for those guys too. Mm. So I think that's the only way I've sort of seen why that's grown and got better.
0: Yeah.
2: Um. And I've really tried to build it more as a team now as well. That's something I I I saw other coaches around what they were doing with building this sort of team environment, and I was like, for me, it was like, all right, I want to create that. Mm. So, and since I've done that, it's yeah, it's really taken off. So
1: yeah. Let's. Well, it makes sense, though, because everyone can just support each other and, you know, wrap each other's knees and spot and load. Actually, it and makes
2: my job a hell of a lot easier, <laughs> man, to be honest, because you've got a whole bunch of other coaches out there, mm. you know, even just for the little things, you know, the, the very, you know, you're having a bad day mm. and then someone else in the team goes, Yeah, I had that a couple of weeks ago. I did this and it helped me do. It. You know what I mean? Just yeah, there's
1: an instant reassurance that, you know, yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll be able to send it. They just yeah. need that bit of support.
2: Yeah, and I've had people recently come see me and just say they wanted they wanted to start being coached by us because they seen what the team was like. So it's mm-hmm. not just directly from how I'm coaching; it's just they want to be part of this community that we're sort of building. So, which is yeah, pretty awesome. So. Yeah,
1: fucking oath, man. It's uh, it's inspiring stuff. How does the link between mental health and fitness play a part for you? Um, it's huge, man. Like
2: to be honest. Like you take away your strength gains, how you look, the things you learn, and all these things, and like at the end of the day, if you took those away, I'd still be training just for that purpose. Mm. Um, so for me in particular, and my wife as well, like we we uh, we did it pretty tough. Like we had a young family in our early twenties. We took on a big big burden very early in our life. Um, I'll get a bit deep here with it. Hopefully my wife doesn't mind too much. But she she got really ill um, when we were in our early 20s with – she's always had mental health issues and she um, she had, a, like, obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, and when my son was born, uh, she developed some, like, some traits and, the, and the, like, basically her, her illness grew to be something pretty major um, where she had to be looked after a lot more, um, like – I won't get into too many yeah, details, yeah, course, but she, yeah. was, she was very ill and, mm. uh, and it was a lot to deal with for us, for both of us, uh, even more for her, to be honest. Um, and especially we had a young family at the time as well. So um, so we did it really, really tough for, for a few years there when she was really ill. And um, I think for both of us, fitness was a huge thing for us to overcome a lot of that. So with all the med- medications and mm. Psychologists and people we talked to, and all the things we did, I honestly do believe fitness for us um, was something that really got us back on our feet. So it's it's a major player for me. Um, whenever I think about that, and always think what fitness did for me to get overcome that, it's a yeah that's the relation for me mm. from fitness and mental health. So it's been a a massive massive thing for us. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thanks for sharing that. Oh eh? yeah. Fuck. It's uh, oh man! It's not
2: something I you know only people are, I know really well yeah. know a lot about that story no, and about how that. how um yeah how difficult mm-hmm. um time of life it was for us and people don't understand like like she had you know a severe mental health um yeah uh, what do you call it she had severe mental health problems mm-hmm. around that time but the people around supporting them people. I didn't think – I didn't realize how much they can suffer too as in mm. like
1: – Like people outside the person going through it?
2: So the, just the people close to them, yeah. what they go through as well. So mm. like I definitely struggle with my mental health um, and it took a long time to realize that I was mm. because the whole time I was always worried about her. I was worried about the family and I was worried and I was trying to do everything I could to sort of keep things together um, and eventually you get to a point where – yeah you know you have to stop and go actually you're not doing well yeah you know and that was a big big thing for me to come to mm. um
1: if you don't mind me asking you know when you were going through that period what did that look like where you're you know we're, we're potentially on the decline
2: yeah yeah man it was um at the lowest i remember thinking like this is going to be my life you mm. know like I won't tell you too many things, but yeah, my, of course. just uh, like a bad day for my wife. So she basically had OCD. So like like she had to make everything was clean. Everything yeah. had to be tidy. Everything had to be neat. Everything. Um, she was. She had a real fear of germs, okay? And she's always been quite clean and neat and all that as well. Um, how she ended up with me, I don't know. <laughs> um, but she, when my son was really um, young and a baby, she just got overly protective of him and uh, went into overdrive with making sure that he wasn't going to get sick. Yeah. Um, and it got to a point with her where I think she lost reality of what was real and what was right, um, wrong and right, sorry. And so she would she would do these things to sort of make sure he wouldn't get sick, but they became like obsessive and…
1: and Detrimental.
2: Yeah, and she so she would do these things like washing her hands, like the mm. classic ones, she would wash her hands. And she used to wash her hands so much that um like she would have cuts on her hand from all the soap and all the times she'd wash her hands maybe 30 times a day um and the thing with ocd is that like it grew so the more and more you feed that illness Mm. more times you wash your hands the worse it gets gotcha so it became this vicious cycle of her doing worse and worse to herself Mm. and then for me as a support person i'd be like don't do that it's bad for you Mm. and then she would feel worse Attacked. So then I would have to be like, okay, let's let's take part in these rituals to help you, but there was always like this. Either way, I'm screwed because if I help mm-hmm. you and do the things to make you feel calm, I'm feeding your illness too. So it was always this sort of like, where's this going to go? And it, it just grew, and and she got really ill to the point like she couldn't function and do. A, you know, I hope she doesn't mind me saying all this on here, but like she. I love telling a story because to see where she um, was to where she is now, truly. Like, I mean, I'm going to get emotional here, but <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's truly inspirational, man. Like she is.
1: Yeah, that's amazing, man. You guys got through it.
2: Yeah, like yeah, she's she's the toughest woman I know. Put mm-hmm. it that way. And, um, yeah, so just to, to see what she's gone through and, and to come out of the other side, like, man, i just take my hat off to her, like, and uh, yeah. I'm just so proud of it, to be honest. So,
1: but, yeah, man, like… You, you both did it, man. You both stuck and oh, supported each other. Yeah,
2: yeah, we did. We stuck, you know, and there was many times where I wanted to get out because it was just too much to deal with. Yeah. But we… We always just found a way with us, you know, with each other to sort of, I'd always find a way to come back and, and we'd always, yeah, we're just, we're very good at, we've always been pretty good at communicating with each other and mm. um, and getting back to, you know, you know, I think because we've, we've been together since we are 16, man, so we just know each other that well. Um, yeah. I don't know yeah. how to live without it, to be honest, I'd be screwed, so. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I've lost track now because I ah, got good, too man. emotional with all that, man. Have you had <laughs> anyone cry good. on your podcast yet, or what? So.
1: <laughs> nah, thanks so much for sharing that, man. Really, really appreciate it. It's not easy to relive some of that stuff, so no, there's no doubt. Help a lot of but other I, people I, out there. And like know? I
2: said, I I wish I could talk more about it, to be mm. honest. And I, like I said before, I'd loved for her. Um, she's not a you know, like I said, she's quite introvert and doesn't like to put herself out there. But I always think her story could. Help so many others, man. Like, really could. Like, she's been at the very bottom, and there's probably people, I don't know, maybe there's someone listening right now that's mm-hmm. right at that bottom, you know, that is just thinking, I can't get myself out of this right now. And um, she's living proof that you can. Yep. So,
1: bloody oath, man. Bloody oath. Well, you're looking at uh, another big year with your ollie lifting and training and, you know, your gymming and your drumming. What's What's the plan? Any current projects? Um, for
2: for the Olympic lifting side, like for my training, um, I want to get to state level, hopefully national level. Um, I want to go compete at the biggest stage I can possibly compete in weightlifting. Um, so I'm now over 35, which when I got into weightlifting, I didn't realize I'm now a master's lifter, <laughs> which is really cool. So – yeah. Um, powerlifting's obviously over forty. Yeah.
1: Okay. So. Um,
2: yeah. So that's pretty. You know. So even just looking at the records and. Um. You know. I'm a little bit off at the moment, but I. I can see that I could get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I'm really like. Yeah. I'm really hungry to sort of. I've always wanted to get to a. You know. Even when I was powerlifting, I was sort of like. Get to that national level. That mm. was always a bit of a goal for me. Like I. I wanted to get to that point where being you know. Yeah. I've always had this deep, deep desire, and I don't know what it. it and someday I'll find it to be the very best at something, mm. at just one thing. I don't care what it is, like so. And that's why I think I like the trick shotting stuff too, because <laughs> yeah, some of it's so
1: ridiculous.
2: <laughs> but I'm like, sometimes I think of these ideas, and I'm just like, that'd be so cool to be able to. do Yeah.
1: It. What if you made? You it? know, what if I yeah, made what this? If? You
2: know, and like, yeah, and I sick. love the idea of like just doing something so spectacular, <laughs> yeah. uh, and doing it, and then saying to my grandkids like my grandkids like hey i did this yeah. you know just that <laughs> yeah. that that is that's that yeah. ultimately Dragon that's rights, my yeah. big goal for you know yeah, just sick. so um so weightlifting is it's something that i you know i see myself i could probably i wish i'd started a long um earlier to be honest mm. um wasting my time playing other sports i should have been <laughs> just doing weightlifting and powerlifting uh, a long time it was ago. worth
1: trying them mate yeah you know like i mean everyone's got to try something you know yeah you, Definitely. What about some of your clients? What are some shows that you're programming them into?
2: Yep, Yeah. So um, really exciting coming up. Uh, we'll be going over to Brisbane. Oh, with, really? With three girls for APL Nationals. Sick. So I've never coached outside of WA. Yeah. Um, so that's a really exciting thing just to see the girls get to a the national level. Mm. And so I'm going to fly over there with them in a couple of weeks' time. Um, so that's really exciting. I've got the biggest team I've ever had going to a comp in uh, Poseidon's Cup at um, uh, Capo's what you, um, Power Pit. Yeah, okay. So they're,
1: Here in Rocko's the way. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. local
2: and Am comp. Yep. So, um, obviously, Rucci's now are not doing competitions. Mm. Um, so, uh, that's, yeah, we're going to have to sort of expand where we go yeah, to yeah. compete. But, you know, there's going to be other places come up. But that's, I think I've got a team of 11 competing there.
0: Wow.
2: Um, so, that's really exciting. And then just, yeah, there's other new people just starting recently where so yeah. hopefully we'll jump in some novice comps and
1: yes yeah,
2: so it's just busy man it's just great i'm just yeah really enjoying uh watching yeah people get into it and
1: yeah yeah that's sick man well guys thank you for listening to this episode so far if you made it uh, this far troy please let our listeners know where we can find you online
2: uh, so just be on Troy Abbott PT or Strengthletics on Instagram, and then our same again Strengthletics on Facebook too.
1: Yeah, awesome. Troy, again, thank you so much for sharing that story and your experience so far. No worries, love thanks for to having me, man. have you on another time for sure. Awesome, thanks man. Awesome, cheers bro.